Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. I'm, I'm glad that you are here today because we are kicking off a new series and this series is going to be so good because I'm telling you, everything that I'm talking about now, it's going to touch your life. It's going to affect you. And I really believe this, that if you grab hold of everything that we're going to talk about over the next five weeks, this has the power to bring so much freedom into your life. We're calling the series Issues of the Heart because I don't know if you're aware of this, but your heart has so much to do with your life, with your future. It's what brought you here now. And it's, it's making decisions for you all of the time. And here is the thing. You know, I, I know it's like this romantic notion that you should just follow your heart. You know, like it's maybe it's a Hollywood idea, just follow your heart. I'm here to tell you that that is a crazy idea because if you follow your heart all of the time, you have to live with the decisions that your heart makes. And I've got to tell you the truth, your heart doesn't always make the best decisions for your future. In fact, listen to this, Proverbs 4 23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, right? In other words, you got to guard your heart. It says, because from it flow the issues of life. What's happening in your life right now is a result of the journey that your heart has probably taken you on. And this is the thing about your heart. It's complicated. You know, when it comes to your heart, it's complicated. I wish I could tell you that your heart was easy to understand, but it's not. Your heart is complicated. It has the power to make great decisions. I mean, with your heart, you can love. With your heart, you can be filled with passion. Sometimes that passion can steer you in the right direction. Sometimes that passion will steer you in the wrong direction. It's just how your heart works. It's what happens. In fact, I want to tell you a little story. I actually asked... Uh, you know, Pastor Sarah, if I could share this story because I said that it was an embarrassing story about her. I said, this is embarrassing. Now, when I tell you this story, I just want no one to judge my wife, all right? So this is something that she's worked on. She's repented of this. Her life is different now. But, but you know, when I first met Sarah uh, many years ago, I met her and I was like, man, I love this person. I, I love her. So, so, you know, how many of you would know that love will make you do some crazy things, right? All right, well, here's the part that's embarrassing for her. Sarah used to like watching Days of Our Lives. Yes, that is true. She used to like watching Days of Our Lives, which I would consider to be the pinnacle of the trashiest television that you can find on planet Earth. I would reserve like the word hate for like the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst situation, right? I hate that show. I mean, I hate that show. I'm not a fan of reality TV as like get rid of Big Brother or get rid of all of those reality TV shows, right? Um, there's a lot of trashy TV out, but, but in the pyramid, this thing's at the top, okay? So, so I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of it, but serious to watch it. And so when we first met, she was right into it. And I remember, I think you had, did you have a work thing? It was, you had to work or something or something like that, right? So Sarah had to go to work and she was gonna miss out on this pivotal part of the show. I loved her and I was trying to impress her. thought I might want to marry this girl. So I did something. And this is where it's embarrassing for me. And I, I promise you, I've never done this since, but I watched an episode of Days of Our Lives, right? 
And not only did I watch it, I took detailed notes on what happened in the, in the show, right? So later that night, we, we had a date and I walked out and like, here was my surprise. I'm like, so I took some notes for you today. And, 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 and so this girl, she loves this guy, but he doesn't really love her. And he's in love with someone else who's actually married to another person. And it's like, I don't know, like, I, I actually don't remember what it was about, but that was probably the story because that's what trashy TV is like, you know? And so, so I watched this thing, right? And I, and I gave her the rundown of what is, and I want to tell you, I've repented of this too. Like, and I will never, ever, ever watch anything like that ever again, right? But I watched it, why? Because I loved her and I was hoping to impress her. What's my point is that your heart will make you do crazy things, right? So when you love someone or something, it makes you do crazy things. But just as good as that can be, your heart can do bad things as well. In fact, listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says. He said that your heart is sick. He said your heart is deceitful. In other words, your heart will lie to you. It doesn't always tell you the truth about circumstances and situations. And you know what's funny is that if you ever decide to just, you know, check in with your heart, it normally just validates how you feel. Have you ever noticed that? Like your heart will just back up how you feel. If you check in with it, it's like, no, we're right. This is how we feel about it, right? Well, let, let me ask you, do we have anybody here that has just had buyer's remorse? Do we have anybody here that, I don't know, like any impulse buyers, like you've, you, you're walking through the shops, right? A lot of you are being dishonest right now. I know, <laughs> I know, right? And so, so you're walking through the shops and you see something and you think, oh, that would look so good on me, right? And you're like, I don't know if we can afford this. And then you check in with your heart and it says, yeah, we totally can, we totally can. We can totally afford this, right? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll just try it on. So you get it and you try it on and you're like, oh, this looks great, but I don't know if we can afford this, right? And then you go, oh, we can definitely afford this. This is looking good. Like, I feel good in these pants. I look good in these pants. And so what does your heart say? You can absolutely afford this. And so, and so you buy it only to get it home. And then you have this thing that goes, what the heck was I thinking? Like, we couldn't afford these pants, right? You show it to your spouse, I mean, that they'll appreciate it, you know? And they just, they don't appreciate how it looks on you. They just look at the price tag. They're like, they're so much better than your heart when it comes to your conscience. They're like, we can't afford this. What were you thinking, you know? And it's like, you know, sometimes you just get caught up in the moment. You're in Harvey Norman and they said, I'll do you a deal and you believe them. And so you bought something that you cannot afford because, you know, hey, we we are losing money if I don't upgrade my widescreen TV. We're like literally losing here. So you, you have to buy it. It could be a car. It could be a house. That's a little extreme, but I'm sure it's happened. And so you check in with your heart. What does it tell you? Everything that you want to hear. Have you noticed how your heart does that? You know, the, the, the word heart in, in the Hebrew language, I, I understand that when I talk about your heart, it's just a muscle that pumps blood around the body. But to Hebrew people, that's not how they looked at the heart. In fact, when they looked at the heart, it was about your inner self. Now, when they use the word heart, it's just like a metaphor for everything that's going on inside of you. It's about your natural inclination. 
It's about your desire. It's about your will. It's about who you are on the inside. So whenever we see Hebrew people talking about the heart, they're not talking about a muscle. They're talking about what's really happening on the inside of you. The narrative that's taking place in your mind, how you think, how you process information. And it's so important to understand this because I'm telling you that that narrative your heart, it's complicated. It's complicated. So like, your heart can be hard and it can be soft. And, and your heart can also lie to you, but it can tell you the truth. And your heart can be dumb and your heart can be smart. And so you just start to listen to it. And, and, and trust me, you already do this. In fact, if we look back into the Old Testament and see what they considered to be the greatest and most important commandment, what did they say? But to love the Lord God with all of your, with all of your, your heart. Why is that? Because if you were to love God with all of your heart, then the decisions that you make would follow suit, Right? So if you were to love God with all of your heart and you weren't giving your heart away to other things, then it would be easier to make the decisions that you know God has already asked you to make. Now that's Old Testament, but I remember a lawyer once asked Jesus and they said, hey, uh, Jesus, what do you think is the greatest commandment? He says, come on, you know this. He agreed with this. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart. That's right because your heart is powerful. Your heart is making decisions. It's directing you. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul says, Romans 10.10. He says, with the heart one believes and is justified. Now he's not talking about a muscle that pumps blood around your body. How can your heart believe? Your heart is what's going on in you. So somewhere deep inside of you, you believe, right? What is Paul talking about. He's saying your heart has faith. It believes that God loves you. It believes that God sent Jesus to come and pay the penalty for your sins so that you could live eternally with Him. So your heart believes. And because of what your heart believes, there is an impact on you. You become what the Scriptures call justified, which is where Christ takes all of the righteousness of His life. Because you've got to understand, He lived a perfect life and you've lived a sinful life and He does a beautiful exchange where He swaps all of your sin for all of His goodness. That is why I always say to Christian people, we should be the least self-righteous people on the planet because we know where all of our righteousness comes from. And guess what? It doesn't come from us. It all comes from Him. So with your heart, you believe and you're justified. Do you understand that, that what I'm saying is what happens with your heart has a huge impact on your eternity. If you, you can understand that. You can see that now, right? Listen, if you're not getting it so far, your life is going in the direction of your heart. Do you understand that? A few people. Your life is already going in the direction of your heart. It's happening. Your heart has brought you to this place right now. 
It's how you got here. Now, I told you your heart is good, but sometimes your heart will lie to you. Let me give you an example. Has anybody ever, um, have you ever just felt like hurt, like somebody hurt you? Four people. <laughs> this is the most righteous group of people I've ever met. Possibly self, anyway. Have you ever felt hurt before? Yeah. Have you ever felt hurt before? Someone has hurt you. Someone has done something and you felt hurt by their actions. And what happened, right? If you were to just check in with your heart, your heart would say what? You are absolutely right to feel hurt. Wouldn't it say that? Notice how your heart just validates how you already feel. Like it just backs you up. If you feel hurt and you check in with your heart, your heart will say, absolutely, we should be offended. Yes, of course we should be offended. That person is the most offensive person we've ever met. They're an idiot. We, 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 we don't like this person. Right? Your heart will just tell you sometimes what you want to hear. Now, here's the truth. Sometimes you have a legitimate reason to be offended. Okay. Sometimes you have a legitimate reason. But oftentimes, no matter whether it's legitimate or not, you check in with your heart. What does your heart say? They say, we have every right to be upset right now. That person is the worst. They are the worst. You know, it's not you, it's them. It's absolutely them. It's not you. You, you're not oversensitive. It's them. <laughs> you check in with your heart. It just has this way of validating your feelings. Your heart will interrupt the narrative of your life. Because some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe all of you. When, have you ever... Been, have you ever just been like going about your business? Like, let's, let me give you an example. You're, you're having a shower and you're just thinking about your day and suddenly your heart just reminds you of this thing that this person said or did to you. You start to play that scenario out. This is how you lose so much time in the shower. And your spouse says, you've been in there for 15 minutes. You're like, I was dealing with something. Because you're thinking about it, right? Are you processing? You start thinking about what's happening. You start to think about the last interaction you had with someone or they bring up someone that your heart has perceived to be an enemy. And you start to think, yeah, well, you know what? If they said this, I would say that. And that would really put them in their place. And then I know what they'd say because they're that kind of person. Then they'd say this and then we would shut them down with the truth. And as soon as they heard the truth, they would repent and fall on their knees and say, you are right and I am wrong. And, and you know, and, and we would, they, surely they would get it right. And, and before you realize, is that your brain is insanely running away and it's 20 minutes in the shower and you still haven't let your spouse get in, right? And, and, and this is the thing. This is what can happen sometimes because your brain has this way of just interrupting or your heart has this way of interrupting the narrative of your life and just trying to tell you how you should feel. And the sad part is, is that so many people are listening to their heart when they shouldn't, even when it's unreasonable even when it's totally unreasonable. In fact, I would say this, if you've ever been unreasonable in your life, if you've ever been unreasonable in your life, your heart will say, no, you're not, you're fine. Your heart will say, it's them, not you. Your heart will say, they have a problem, they're the worst, don't worry, move on with your life, right? And I don't know if this next thing that I'm about to say is true. I don't know. I can tell you that I've done absolutely like zero research on this, okay? But I feel like 
in the last 12 months, people just got crazier. <laughs> and I guess they just had some time to kill an ISO. I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like people have got more offended in the last 12 months, right, than I've ever seen. This is, I, I, this is the craziest time that I've seen. As far back as I can look on my, back over my life, right? And, and you know that it's crazy because they post a lot of weird stuff on the internet, in Facebook chats and, and all kinds of things. And I, and I see it. I think people are getting increasingly offended. It's so easy to be offended. We have found new ways to be offended, right? This is the way offense works, right? I'm not just offended because somebody's done something to me. We now associate ourselves with categories of people. And if somebody on the other side of the planet has done something that offends the category of people I consider myself to be a part of, well, now I hate that person too. And this is what's happening. And, and, and it's absolutely wild. People are just finding themselves uh, so offended. And I, like, to be honest, like, I don't, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I remember in the last 12 months, I would get sometimes like just weird SMSs, right? Actually, they, they weren't SMSs because I would never give these people my phone number ever, 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 okay? Somehow they found me, they got my messenger, they messaged me. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, I don't even know you, man. I, I don't even know you. Like, I, I don't understand this, right? Sometimes the truth is people... They're just going to be offensive and they're just going to be rude because some people are like that. So what do we know? We know that offenses will come, but staying offended, well, then that, that's my choice, right? Like staying offended, that's my choice. I'm realizing that offenses will come, but I get to decide what I do with it, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. I, now, I'm obviously, obviously, I'm not talking to anybody in this room. <laughs> but the reason some people are so easily offended is because their heart is oversensitive. They're just oversensitive people. And they're already insecure. And so they perceive everything that happens through the lens of their insecurity. And then they check in with their heart that only affirms their insecurity and says, yes, they're the worst, right? And they see everything through that lens. Have you ever met someone like this? Like, there's always an issue. There's always a drama. There's always a situation. There's always some reason why they're offended and they're always justified in their offense. They always have drama. They're victims. They are victims, you know, and, and, and I have met people that uh, have been offended for, I think, some of the craziest reasons, right? Like, like you know, like maybe sometimes the reason people get offended is because, uh, you know, like they saw someone and they smiled at them and the other person didn't smile back. And then their heart begins to draw the conclusion, oh, I get it. You think you're better than me. That's why you didn't smile. Oh, you think? Oh, okay, right? Some people will get offended because someone just didn't smile at them or didn't look at them. 
I mean, I think about this sometimes. I, I guess I don't always know everyone that comes to our church and all the rest of it. So whenever I'm walking through a shopping center, I just look at everyone and smile. I'm always like, hello, 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 right? And I must look like a weirdo. But I tell you what, every now and then I'm going to catch a church person that saw me publicly and I didn't recognize them and they're going to feel validated. So it was worth the, 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 the you know, 10,000 hellos to the strangers looking like a total weirdo for the one person that I didn't offend in the church. You know, this happens. I think about this, right? Hello, I smile. It's like, I feel like sometimes, <laughs> this is crazy. I caught myself doing this. I've just come back for some holidays. We were in Queensland, up in Airly Beach. It was horrible, guys, honestly. And so... <laughs> I'm up there and I walk around. Sometimes I just feel like I'm at church and I, I, I say, hello, how are you today? Right? And I talk to them like they're a guest in church because I'm just in the rhythm. And you know, I'm, of course they probably don't. They come to our church. They're in another state. But just in case we don't offend somebody. <laughs> like some people get offended because, you know, because they didn't get an SMS back in the time they thought was reasonable. You know, like, can I tell you the truth? Like, I, I've got an Apple Watch. It's very handy. But occasionally what it will do is read an SMS for me on my behalf that I haven't seen. And then I go to text somebody a couple of weeks later, only to realize that there's a message in there that I just didn't respond to. In fact, I never even read it. I didn't even know it was there. And I always SMS back, oh, hey, sorry, I didn't see that message, you know, because I don't know how they're filling the gap. I don't know what their heart's doing with the narrative. It's probably saying, yeah, that's because Pastor Ben thinks he's better than you. He just doesn't reply to you. He doesn't even care. He's got a cold heart. He doesn't care about people and you. He's just, you know, ignoring you. He probably responds to other people, but not to you, right? Truth is, I just miss stuff. Do you know the truth? Sometimes I read it and go, I'll get back to that. And I don't. Do you know why? Nothing personal, just flat out forgot. And you know, this happens. And people's weird hearts are filling in the narrative and saying, oh no, there's something behind it. You know what? You know that you're starting to go a little crazy when you start to replay the last interaction you had with someone and you're thinking, what did they say? What did I say? Oh, they probably thought that I meant this. That's probably never even, con you know, the person's never even considered that. But somewhere your heart is trying to get hold of that narrative and, and, and just speak to you, right? You didn't say thank you at, at the appropriate time or someone didn't say thank you to you or, or, or how about this one? And this is like, we see this all the time. <laughs> someone just disagrees with what you think. <gasps> the nerve. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? They don't believe the same thing that you believe. They're sick, they're weird. They're, you know, this, is, this is odd, right? Your feelings just because you feel something and check in with your heart and that your heart says, yeah, they're the worst, right? Feelings aren't the same as validation. See, just because you feel a way doesn't necessarily mean that you have the right to feel that way. I mean, if you check in with your heart and it says, yes, we're right to feel this way, that might not necessarily be the case. And I, I use this t terminology. It's just my vernacular. I don't know. Maybe no one else says this, right? People get offended really easily. I call them um, eggshell people. 
Have you ever heard that? Like walking around on eggshells? There are sometimes you're in a conversation with someone and you are like a duck on water because on the surface, everything looks calm, right? But you know how a duck swims beneath the water? Their legs are going like this, right? That's how, that's some of the conversations you have are just like that. On the surface, you're just serving up nice platitudes. Beneath the surface, your brain is going, filter, 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 filter. Wait, don't say that. You know what they'll say. You know what they'll think, right? And you're just trying to navigate the situation on the surface. You're cool. But underneath, you're going, don't say that. Oh, gosh, don't even use that word, right? And you're just navigating these treacherous waters, watching out for the eggshells, because one time you might accidentally step on something that is precious and holy to them, and suddenly they're offended. Now, here's the thing. If you are a person that is easily offended, I just want to let you in on something. People aren't telling you the truth. They're not telling you the truth. Do you know why? Too much drama. Most of us, most of us want to avoid drama. So rather than deal with the drama, we just tell you, it's all good. It's fine. No, no, no problem right? It's easy, right? We just don't want the drama that comes with telling you the truth. Now, look, if you're sitting next to somebody that you think is particularly oversensitive, just raise your hand right now. No, no, don't, 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 don't. That was a test. If you do this, the next six months of your life could be... Anyway, listen, if you're breathing, you're going to be offended. Because offenses will come, but what you do with them, it matters. No, I mean like, I'm, I mean it really matters. I, I, I think some people are going to probably learn something today. And you're going to learn that it matters more than you think. It matters more than you realize. In fact, it matters eternally what you do with your offenses. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples about forgiveness. And he says this, he gives a parable. With a parable, we're not trying to pull out a thousand points. There's one overarching point to the story, which we're going to get. And Matthew 18, 23, it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now you know how much that is, right? No, you don't. Of course you don't. We don't work in that. So one talent is worth 20 years labor. So I looked at the average salary in Australia, calculated it for you. You're welcome. It's a $22 billion debt. So this is the story. There's a servant who owes the king $22 billion. He says, and since he couldn't pay his master, or since he could not pay his master, ordered that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. Sounds horrible, but that is just how they did it. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him and said, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him 
and forgave him the debt. Forgave him the debt. Forgave him the debt. That's what he did. Now, what he probably didn't do is give him more money. You know, like he probably didn't trust that guy with money again, right? I mean, he just, get, he just somehow lost $22 billion. You're not going to give that guy any more money, right? I only bring that up because whenever I talk about forgiveness, people think that it's the same thing as trust. No, 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 no. He's not going to trust him with more money. He's just forgiving the debt. Did you know that you can forgive someone without trusting them again? You, you, you can forgive someone a debt and not let them into your life at a deep level and allow them to do the same thing to you repeatedly. So you don't have to trust. Trust isn't the same as forgiveness. They're totally separate things, but it's important to forgive. And we're going to find out why. He says in verse 28, But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, 42 grand, just for today's figures. And seizing him, he began to choke him, hands around the neck, choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. Verse 30, He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, uh, taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, and the book of Revelation uses this word. It's only used a couple of times, but in chapter 11 and 12, it uses this word. The word for anger is also translated as furious and rage. Furious and rage. And in anger, this is the king, in a furious rage, his master delivered him over to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Now pay attention to this. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. I think this is probably the scariest parable that Jesus ever shared in his life. Did you get that? Did you get that last line that I read? Are you able to interpret what that means? You see what Jesus is really saying there? See, the word forgiveness in the, in the New Testament, the word forgiveness is a thesis and it means dismissing or releasing. In other words, forgiving a debt, just letting it go, forgiving a debt. Now, here's the thing. Now, I'm just totally guessing now. But I feel like that first servant probably felt justified about grabbing the guy that owes him 42 grand and putting him in prison. I'm guessing it was 
pretty public. I mean, there were other servants around. They saw what had happened. They saw what had taken place. I guess he felt pretty righteous about doing it. In fact, he probably had a shower that morning. And while he was in shower, his heart interrupted the narrative and said to him, hey, guess what? That guy still owes you $42,000. And what's interesting about the heart is it doesn't seem to reflect on the $22 billion debt that's just been forgiven. And it seems to find a way to just zero in on the minor offence of $42,000. Isn't it interesting how the heart doesn't do this? Now, I mean, I'm no mathematician, but if I was to just work out the sums, he's still nearly $42 billion up, right? And yet, with all of that grace that's been given, all of the forgiveness of the debt that's been shown to the first servant, he can't even see that because he's so consumed with the small debt that someone owes him. He forgets what the king forgave him of and forget that he owed so much more to the king and the king has been incredibly gracious with him. And instead of focusing and being thankful because of that, he just zeroes in on the offensive part of what someone else has done to him. And because you are not emotionally attached to this story and you read it from the outside in and you see the story from one end all the way into the other, you take a step back and you say, that first servant is crazy. He's got to be insane to be so upset about the small infringement. Can't he remember what he's been forgiven of? Why would he do this? It's because you're not emotionally involved. But what if you were? Come on, let's, let's do something for just a minute. What if, what if someone actually owed you $42,000? Like actually, what if it was a $42,000 debt? And not like if you run a business, I'm not talking about business stuff. Let's just talk about your own personal finance. Somebody owes you $42,000 and then they post on Facebook that they just bought a new car. How do you feel? <laughs> Murderous. How are they going to have the money to buy that car when they owe me? This is not equal. This is not right. Justice is demanded. I can't believe this person. What if it wasn't 42000 What if it was half that? What if it was $20,000? What if it was ten? What if somebody owed you $5,000, $1,000? Someone owes you 500 bucks and you just saw them buy a new jacket, and you're like, where'd you get the money for that? You owe me $500, right? Let's just forget money for a moment. What if it wasn't money? What if you found out that someone had just said things about you that weren't true? And they were spreading it to everyone that would listen. Lies, rumors, things that impact your integrity and then you found out that your friend was responsible your frenemy the person you thought was a friend turns out they're your enemy right that's what your heart will say so so what if you found this out right how would you feel if someone totally betrayed you betrayed your confidence you told them something in confidence and then they went and they shared it with anyone that would listen how would you feel at that moment 
You know, I, I realize that we, we are living in a New Testament era, right? So Christ has died for our sins. We're in an era of grace, praise the Lord. But sometimes I feel like our heart is, is a bit Old Testament, you know? It's like, come on, man, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Let's make this even. Let's figure this thing out. Your heart wants to get even. This is why you got to be careful, because if you check in with your heart, it'll say, get them. <laughs> get them. Make it even. Destroy them, right? Because your heart will sometimes lie to you. Now, I don't really have time today to sort of beat around the bush. So let me just tell you what the story is about in case you can't figure it out and you got lost in the narrative. The king is God and you could be the first servant. And it matters. Do you know why it matters? Because if you're not forgiving people, God's not forgiving you. It's pretty quiet. If you're not forgiving people, God's not forgiving you. Here's my point. The price of holding on to hurt is too high. It's too high. It's way too high. You can't afford it. In fact, you know what? The only way that you can afford that is if you have no debt yourself. And that's where you run into your first problem. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So here's the reality of the picture that you live in. This is your narrative. You have an unpayable debt that God has forgiven you of. And so what is the story teaching us? That if we don't forgive people, if we don't extend the same forgiveness that God has extended to us, then what? We're not forgiven of our own sins? What? This is crazy. Wait a minute, Pastor Ben. Don't you always say that thing like we're saved by grace through faith in Christ? Yeah. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. So doesn't that mean that when I get to heaven, even if I've got some unforgiveness in there, come on, we know it's wrong, but let's, say, let's just say I do, okay? Let's say that I can't forgive someone. Isn't that just a sin like every other sin? Won't God just forgive me of my unforgiveness? Doesn't grace just cover that like everything else? Well, this is where it starts to get a little bit interesting, right? Are you familiar with the term conditional grace? Conditional grace. So what did Jesus do on the cross? Well, He died for our sins and the magnitude and significance of Christ's death is so big that He could forgive everyone on planet earth that has ever lived and ever will live a, a, a million billion times over. He could just, that's, that's the magnitude of His grace. So His grace is limitless, but it's still conditional. He has enough grace for everyone that needs it, but not everyone gets it. You say, come on, this, that's crazy. This is an oxymoron. Well, hang on now, wait a minute, think about that. Listen to this, James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So there's a distinguishing between the people that received God's limitless grace and the people that don't get God's limitless grace. See, if you're a proud person and you say, I don't need God, I can do this on my own. Okay, but you're not gonna get His grace. FYI, you need it. And those that are humble enough and say, I understand I'm not perfect and I need to be forgiven for some stuff, they're the ones to get it. Now, the grace is limitless, but only the humble get it, right? What about this? Romans 8, 28, all things work together. Now, I feel like sometimes the Christian narrative is that we would just love to put a full stop right there. Hey, all things work together for good. 
It's all good, except that the Scripture keeps going on. It says, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So who gets the grace? Those that, are lo- that, that love God and are called according to His purpose, they get the grace. But you know, there's a group of people out there who don't love God. And guess what? It doesn't all work out for them. It's not working out all for their good. That makes sense, right? And then there is, and I would call this, right, this is, this is like the knockout punch, right? This is something that Jesus said that we might want to pay attention to. Matthew 6, 15, Jesus said, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, strap yourself in, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. I just want to know how you're going to interpret that Scripture in such a way that allows you to get away with having unforgiveness in your heart. Like what kind of theological backflips do you have to do to bend that Scripture around your heart in such a way where you say, I really feel like God would be totally okay with my unforgiveness. I really feel like if, he, if God just knew what had happened to me, that He'd be totally cool with it. No, 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 no. Because when I read the Scriptures, that's not really what it says. I mean, listen, look at it, what it says, verse 34 in this parable, Jesus says, I will deliver the person or the king will deliver that person to the jailers. So here's what I did. I read that scripture and I already knew what it meant. But for your sake, I read commentary after commentary after commentary. And yes, it means exactly what it sounds like. It is a metaphor for eternal punishment. The price is too high. The price is too high. The price for holding on to your hurt, it's way too high. That's what he says in verse 34. And just to make sure that you really got it, and it's not some kind of platitude that you're serving up. In verse 35, he says, you've got to forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's right. Because the heart is what makes it genuine. The heart is is what makes it real. You've got to forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Listen, your life is already going in the direction of your heart. That's why you've got to be so careful. Because if you check in with your heart and it says, no, hold on to this hurt, you'll be holding it forever. And I mean forever. And that's why you've got to be so careful about all of this. So what am I saying? God's grace is limitless, but it's conditional. God's grace is limitless and it's for everyone, but not everyone gets it. And some of you are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you really saying here? Are you saying that God will send a saved person to hell because they don't forgive someone for hurting them? Well, there's a couple of things that we need to understand. Firstly, The God that I serve never sends anyone to hell. People send themselves there. They send themselves there when they say with pride, I don't need you, God. I can do it on my own. When the Bible says, no, 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 you've already fallen. You've already made mistakes. There's sin in your life. Come on. Even if you're not a believer in Jesus, you know you're not perfect, right? Well, that's His standard. And He'll forgive you for all of your sins, but you got to go to Him. What does that take? Humility. You see that? The grace is conditional. So God has done everything that He can to get people from here to there. Amen? 
He sent His one and only Son to pay the penalty for sins so that no one should perish, but that everyone could have eternal life. That's the first piece that we need to lock in because I want you to see this Scripture in the light of God's character and everything that He's provided for you along the way. And then you say, okay, so wait a minute. What's the second point? Well, the second one is, is that Jesus, this parable is making a very important point. It's a distinguishing distinguishing of the categories. And here's what he's really saying. Not that he would save a, send per, a, a saved person to hell. He's making a completely different statement. Try to think about it this way. The forgiven forgive. The forgiven forgive. And sometimes the way that we know that someone's had a genuine encounter with the forgiveness of their 22 billion unpayable dollar debt is that they are so easily able to forgive people around them of the things that they do in their lives. Every time I preach about forgiveness, if I ever speak about forgiving some, someone in your life, Almost without fail, there will be someone present in the room that day that will say to me afterwards, but if you only knew my unique circumstances, if you only understood what someone did to me, if you knew, if God only knew what was done to me, then you would understand why I can't forgive. And I feel like Jesus kind of covered it. Now, I, in this parable, like, I get it. I live in the real world as well. And I understand that horrible things, they happen to people all of the time. But Jesus's point is that the sin that you have against God, see, the problem is sometimes what we don't see or recognize is the significance of sin. We're like, ah, that's okay. God's forgiven it. Let me tell you something. That, that grace was not cheap. When you understand the weightiness and the significance of sin and you realize what God has forgiven you of, starts to make it easier for you to forgive other people. I'm not saying that it's easy. I know it's not easy. Maybe the thing that you need to do is you need to get some counseling, speak to a pastor, speak to a leader, because there's stuff that's been going on in your life. There's things, baggage that's been weighing you down. There's someone that's in your mind and in your heart, you know, and when you think of them, it's, you, 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 know, you know when you haven't forgiven someone in your life because it just sits there. And you know that. I'm telling you, the price of holding on to that hurt, it's way too high. I'm not saying it's easy. I am saying it's necessary. The problem is your heart will try to talk you out of it. You have every right to hold on to your unforgiveness. If they only knew what had happened to you as an individual, it would be okay. They would understand. No. Your heart will come up with so many reasons, so many barriers why you can't forgive someone. Like you're, I don't know, maybe, maybe the reason why you can't forgive someone in your life is because it's just never been modeled to you. 
So because it's never been modeled to you, you've never seen someone extend grace in a significant way. I mean, like person to person. Maybe you just haven't experienced it, so you don't know what it looks like. You don't know how to do it. Maybe that's one of the things that prevents you from moving forwards. Maybe, maybe the reason why it's hard to forgive someone is because you just keep saying that you're not offended. You just deny that it ever happened. I'm not offended. What? I'm not offended. I'm not offended with that person. Nothing ever happened. I'm not upset. I'm not upset. You're upset. You know, like, uh, I'm okay. There's no issue there. But every time you think of them, you want to stab something, you know, like, you know, or you, you're on Facebook and you're scrolling through and you see their name and, and suddenly it changes your temperament, right? Or, or you see their name and you aggressively scroll past that person's profile, you know, or, 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 or just to think of their face you start to get all twisted up and bothered inside. Why should someone have that much power over you? Just to think of them and suddenly you're different. You see their name and now you're worked up. That's how you know you haven't forgiven someone. It's just because you're all bent up and out of shape. Maybe the reason why your heart says you can't forgive someone is because you're waiting for their apology first. I'll forgive them when they say that they're sorry. And when they admit what they've done is wrong, that's when I'll forgive them. Maybe you have a twisted, distorted perspective on justice. So you can't forgive someone until everything has been made even. I can't wait till they get what's coming to them and then I'll be able to move on with my life. I say it's twisted and distorted because if you understand what you've been forgiven of, the unpayable, the debt that you could never afford, and you have an encounter with God, and He says Every wrong thing you've ever done, it's, it's gone. It's forgiven. And you got to think like sometimes people occasionally offend each other, but all of those offenses also offend God. Every wrong thing that we do offend Him. And He found a way. And He forgave us of that incredible debt. And what we're supposed to do is to receive that grace and that mercy and then in turn begin to distribute it to people around us. Why? Because the forgiven forgive. See, what you need to know is that unforgiveness will always validate its own existence. You check in with your heart and it says you have every right to be upset. You have every right to hold on to this. Don't let that go. Just hold on to it. I think the enemy of your soul would love you to continue to hold on to the pain and the hurts of your past without forgiving the people in your life that have wronged you. Because if He can make you hold it all of your life, you'll be holding it for eternity. This is so important that we get this. Because Jesus followers, you know what we do? We live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by feelings. 
We don't check in with our hearts for validation on how we already feel, only to have our heart affirm us of the wrong feelings that we're motivated by and tell ourselves that it's okay, it's fine, no problem, hold on to it. We look at the Word, we look at what the Scripture says, we say, man, God has forgiven me of so much. We look into our relationship with God and we say, God, if you could forgive me for all of this, then I can forgive them for all of that. I love what Phil Prinkle says. He says, I forgive everybody for everything, every day. I forgive everybody for everything, every day. Because you know, sometimes what happens is you forgive someone, then you wake up the next day and all of those feelings come back. What are you going to do? I forgive everybody for everything, every day. I'm just going to keep doing it and doing it and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and at a time in the future when I don't know when it's going to happen, one day it's going to stick. And the moment it sticks, you're free. The moment it sticks, your life starts to get better and improve. Forgive everyone for everything, every day. So you won't just be free today, but you'll be free forever. Because I'm telling you, there is a life that's coming after this one. And how you forgive people determines where you spend it. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to give you an incredible opportunity today, right now, to leave a different way you came in. Close your eyes for one minute. If you know that what I'm talking about today applies to you, there is something in your heart that's not supposed to be there. Maybe you're holding on to it. You've tried to let it go. You've tried to forgive, but it hasn't been modeled to you. No, yes, it has. It actually has. Because When Jesus was dying on the cross, the only righteous person that ever existed as He was on the cross with His arms wide, you know what He said? Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. With His last breath, He said, I forgive the people that put me here. Someone put you where you are. Someone did something to you. It hurt. No one's denying that. Offenses will come. Today you get to choose what to do with it. You can hold on to it. You can let it hurt you now and you can carry that into eternity. Or today you can say, Say, God, I need your help and I need to let it go because I don't want to carry this one more moment that I have to. I love that the Word of God says that where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I really believe that today there's freedom in this place and you need it because you know what? Your unforgiveness will turn to bitterness and bitterness is the death bell of ministry. You will not minister to God's people. I promise you this. I've seen men and women of God with callings on their life that don't get to live it out and never will because they're holding on to something that's hurting them more than they realize. You don't have to have it a second longer than this. You just say to God, I'm giving it up to you. It's it. It's over. I'm laying it at the cross. I receive what you've given to me. And so out of that, I choose today to forgive everyone for everything they've ever done. If you know I'm talking to you, raise your hand right now and I'm going to pray that you're 
your life is different. Thank you, thank you more. Come on, come on, get set free. Come on, I know there's people in here. You've been hurt. People have done stuff to you. You tried to forgive, but every time you hear their name, something rises up inside of you. That's how you know you're not over it yet, but you're gonna start to move in the right direction. Father, I pray for everybody with a hand raised right now that says, God, I need to hand some stuff over to you. Give them grace by the power of your Spirit to do what they have up until this point found impossible to do. I pray that your grace would be poured out into their lives. Let them stand back from the narrative of the story, not listen to their heart, realize the debt with which you have forgiven them and say, as I have freely received, now I freely give. I'm going to forgive everyone right now in this moment. Just let it go. Just let it go. Just let the presence of God wash over you. Let the peace of God surpass the understanding of your previous experience. And God, I pray that as they leave this morning, they're different. As they leave this morning, they feel lighter on their feet and they walk from this place into a brilliant and bright future. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.